welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. And Josh Bashong. Josh, we're sitting here in Altus today under some rain showers, which seems a little bit odd, but we're, we've been attending a few preseason week meetings. Well, I say attending, we're actually doing some of the presenting as well. Just a little bit. But we wanted to come to you guys and, and discuss some of the things that we've been seeing in the office and some, it's been a really busy end of summer, not like I've, I've been used to. When The Economist has to do, I don't know, it feels like two or three nitrate tests a week, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you think about who who has the training, who has the knowledge to, to do these things, Extension has to come together and, and really help each other out. But what we've been seeing, with high nitrates and some of our failed crops or like grain sorghum, I start to think, what are the opportunities coming out of this summer? You know, a really dry summer, some failed crops like soybeans and, and grain sorghum. What should people think about doing on those acres? Well, like you said, we've been swamped almost with getting all those tested there at the extension office and pretty much throughout Western Oklahoma. We've heard the same story. A lot of guys getting those tested. Like you said, we'll do them in those, those drop tests just to, do a quick test whether or not we need to investigate more maybe send a sample off for those levels but if we're making hay out of those crops and then um trying to get back to something else this fall some of these crops that were maybe double cropped or planted late we maybe weren't thinking about getting to small grain this fall so now we got a lot of options to do we need to destroy that crop material do we disc it under do we hay it off and try to get some type of feed out of it uh, so a lot of guys are starting to get those fields prepared the best they can to get those some kind of small grain usually wheat obviously but um, that's a lot of residue out there uh, to try to get through with the planter obviously there's a lot of good equipment out there now to get through some of that residue but if you want true wheat pasture you're gonna have to manage that residue well, you bring up a good point whenever you talk about the struggles out there and getting a field prepared. Because, for example, I always like to beat up on myself. So I've got soybean fields out there that, you know, we, we talked about, we brought up the point at our meetings a few times that we found charcoal rot out in those fields. So that didn't didn't give me 100% loss, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, it left me with about half a stand. Part of the field has beans on it. Part of it doesn't. The outlook was terrible, so weed management was on the back burner. So we've got a lot of weeds out there, and, and just no no field is the same completely across it. You know, and I'm trying to think about what am I going to do? Am I going to burn it down? If you burn down, think about you know your plant back restrictions on the chemicals you're using. What chemicals are safe to use over the top of a crop you are going to try to harvest, especially if you have patches of the field. And, you know, it, some light tillage, uh, vertical tillage, things like that would probably be in people's future if they got real heavy cover. Uh, most definitely. Uh, we've had some concerns, you know, even going through corn, you know, taking an air, dragging an air seeder through that. Uh, you might be worried about pulling off seed tubes, boots, uh, the miles of wiring on those for all the sensors and everything else. But uh, had some guys maybe try to do a drag chain across the field if they don't have some type of vt tool vertical tillage or like you said just even a light disking just to try to get some of that residue managed worst case scenario you chop it up in that top two inches it's mostly residue and no soil well then we don't have a good seed bed to get the wheat emerged or germinated and emerged out of so that's another thing we want to manage the residue without hindering us to get good soil for seed placement 
Well, you like to make fun of me for my pronunciation of Harrow, so Harrow or Harrow? Harrow. I think Dana made fun of both of us on okay. that one. So. I think I used to say Harrow, Harrow and, now, and yeah. now I like to say Harrow. <laughs> but you run the risk with any of those tools of just bunching what material's out there. And so it's kind of like whenever we look at the, um, oh, help me here, the stripper headers on yeah. wheat. Yeah, it looks like a lot of material, but it's best to leave it alone. Don't don't try to knock it down because you can get through more than you expect. So I guess just managing those challenges and kind of surveying the field to be the best bet there. And, uh, you know, what type of crops are thinking of triticale or wheat yeah. or rye? You know, some of those are pretty tough crops. All of our small grains are on the table. Uh, seed on all of them are going to be a little challenging. If not, expect higher prices. Uh, wheat seed heard seed wheat producers you know easily getting into the 20 bushel 20 dollars per bushel hey don't take my one comment from an econ side i've heard you know pushing 30 dollars <laughs> uh and that's even for some older genetics newer genetics as a lot of these newer varieties are certified seed only so we're looking at that um uh, for our, our rye producers some of that rye seeds pretty challenging to get i've heard some triticale it's kind of hard to get right now as well even got some guys looking at barley and oats uh, for fall planted. But going back to what I said, if we have a lot of residue out there, we're not going to get a lot of fall pasture out of those small grains. Uh, so I'd be more still focus on your other or your other fields to get some fall pasture, and maybe some of these fields that we weren't planning on getting fall pasture anyways. Uh, we can still get back to some of those small grains, especially wheat, and still have a good grain crop out of it. Uh, so I'll be looking at later planting on those just to get that potential out of those fields so that's a good segue to talk about whenever you're preparing those fields there's something in particular that i've been hearing at several meetings across the state when it comes to fertility can we trust those early season uh, soil samples that we're putting out there some of them are showing some some high nitrogen that's yeah, when we're talking about just uh, general soil fertility management we always have in the past uh, urge producers at least be consistent and typically that's always in the fall before we start sowing those those small grains like wheat uh, but for years like this where we're extremely hot and dry through the summer we have a lot of that previous crop residue even going back to the previous wheat crop that hasn't been broken down yet and so we have all that residue out there we take a soil sample right now it might show that we have quite a bit of nitrate available for this current crop uh, but once we start getting some moisture to and that cycle is going to get kicked in gear uh, that carbon is going to tie up a lot of that nitrogen and it's going to be non-available to that crop uh, so the soil samples potentially could show higher than what's actually going to be available this fall for this crop uh, so if we're after you know some fall pasture well uh, we urge guys to put out you know 40 to 60 pounds just to ensure that we get at least a ton of forage out there uh, a biomass to graze if we're in the grain only system we might not be doing any nitrogen uh, usually no more than 40 or 50 pounds uh, if we're in a grain only system because we can definitely make that up and top dress next spring uh, but yeah soil samples we always love to see especially for our big issues like soil ph uh, typically nitrogen phosphorus and potassium but definitely be looking at the ph phosphorus and potassium a little bit less weight on that nitrogen figure this fall and from the econ side I look at this and this is again a perfect year for enriched strips because you can't afford much nitrogen at all yeah if you're going to put 50 pounds of nitrogen out there or 60 pounds of nitrogen you're going to have 40 50 dollars an acre just in nitrogen cost up front 
and I could get into the the background and calf costs and everything else that's associated with that. But but when you're just looking at the nitrogen up front to get that crop planted and then the potential yield drag from from planting early, yeah, you're you're getting into seventy five, eighty dollars an acre that you're devoting to this grazing procedure. And that entrance strip, like you said, that can be as simple as going getting a bag of urea, make a spot where you can remember where you put it out, maybe put a flag or a marker or some kind out there. And that's excellent for our grain. Uh, we can see by next spring whether or not we see that spot. And if you can't find that spot, you know you got enough nitrogen out there. If it's green where you put the fertilizer out or some kind of nitrogen fertilizer and the rest of the fields may be stunted or more chlorotic or yellow, uh, you know you're a little deficient. But like I said, that's a perfect scenario for grain. But for after fall pasture, you're just going to have to hedge your bet and put some out there to ensure you at least get some biomass produced. Uh, because if we get behind on nitrate or nitrogen for this crop, uh, you're not going to make it up this fall. You might make it up for spring pasture on that on that wheat pasture, but uh, inuit strip will help you there, but not for this fall. So another thing I think about that could be a problem that we don't normally see is like, well, in no-till fields, when you're wheat on wheat, you have quite a bit of issues with tan spot and other foliar diseases. Is that going to be more of an issue for our conventional guys since we just haven't broken down as much straw if they're doing some conservation tillage and still have quite a bit of cover? It'll be greatly reduced. Uh, if you see residue out there, you can still get those spores to infect the current seedlings. But uh, it's like I said, the more you manage that residue, the more you bury it, uh, less, less likely it is going to get on the, the current crop. But uh, it'll be greatly reduced, but never zero. Okay. Yeah. That's a non-answer, by the way. Yeah, I tried. But <laughs> so the main problem that a lot of people have had in recent years is either grasshoppers or army worms coming in and taking out our early stands and reducing our, our forage availability in that regard. Do we have any new products out there that we can use to combat that? There are some, and some of the, when we're talking about seed treatments in general, pretty much most of them are going to be a fungicide base, and then some of them will be fungicide with an insecticide. And some of those insecticides are going to give us uh, definitely some aphid control and some other pests as well. They might reduce or limit how much issues we have with the lepidoptera, like you said, fall armyworm or even grasshoppers. Uh, technically, they're not going to really control them, uh, but definitely have less of an impact. So you'll get some suppression out of them. Uh, there is a newer product uh, called Lumivia. Uh, it's kind of... First I heard of it was last year, uh, so not a lot of acres. I think some are starting to push for it this year. And this product, if you've ever heard of uh, Corrigin or Prevathon, uh, excellent product for Lepidoptera, like I said, fall army worms or cutworms. Uh, but previously we used that as a foliar application with that active ingredient where we had to have some leaf or some, bio, or some plant growth out there before we sprayed. So say last year, you got to crop up, you're waiting for a couple leaves to come out before you spray because that product has to be consumed. Uh, a lot of our pyrethroids are more contact type where even if you spray the ground and those worms crawl across it, you'll get some control. This active ingredient has to be consumed, so we had to wait for two leaves. Well, a lot of times, if you're waiting for a little bit of growth out there, you're losing stand by the day. Uh, so with it as a seed treatment, it's going to go through that embryo of that seed and it's going to come up as a sprout and have that uh, treatment in, in the plant. So you're going to get control from day one uh, and it's going to give you a few weeks of uh, 
a residual out of that. And that's the biggest thing if we're trying after fall pasture, we know by far the biggest thing is early establishment. The quicker we can get that plant up and growing, the more biomass we're going to produce that fall. And anytime we're having to replant or spray two or three times, trying to thicken up some stands with the drill, uh, we're just getting further and further behind on what kind of potential we can grow that fall. Uh, and anytime we're looking at those insecticides, uh, be cautious of grazing a restriction on there. Some of those uh, have insecticide might be a month and a half, which typically we want to give, you know, a month and a half, two months of growth, especially something like wheat. We want to grow that biomass because the more biomass we grow, the more sun we can get, and the more growth we can get before it goes dormant. If we're out there turning out early with those stalkers, uh, keeping it mowed down, you know, below two inches, that little seedling that's only two inches tall isn't going to grow as much as a plant that's six inches tall. Uh, so that's going back to planting date. Planting rates will help that as well. Make sure you protect that first crop you planted. Uh, and that's often the other question I get, well, how much are these seed treatments? And yes, some of the newer products, like we mentioned a second ago, the Lamuvia, is going to run you uh, 3 to $4, I think, per 100 weight of seed. So was that maybe 3 bucks a bushel? That's still cheaper than having to re-sow another bushel out there with the drill. Uh, well, the timing is the most valuable thing. Yeah. And, and every day you lose, you know, you're losing forage availability. But going back to for that seed treatment, like we like Prevathon for, say, green sorghum because you can get worms down in the whirl. Yeah. Is the word for that transgenic within the leaf? Translocation, um, kind of another word for systemic. Uh, some products, they move up and down the plant. Some only move down. Some only move to the new growth. So uh, some products uh, are just translocated to that meristematic tissue, and they don't go uh, the opposite way in the plant. But with this, it's going to it's gonna be systemic. It's going to be throughout that plant, especially as a seed treatment. Uh, that whole sprout seedling coming out of the ground is going to have that a little bit of that active ingredient in it. And that, and using that product in that way is going to be much cheaper than spraying over the ground. Cause especially you think about two leaf wheat, you're spraying a lot of product on dirt. That's not going to get consumed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're just wasting that product. So definitely, I think this is a, oh, I don't know if it's a home run or not, but it's definitely a better option yeah, than and we've had in the past. You know, stuff like that, uh, you know, seed treatment, uh, there's some art to it, not all science, getting all those kernels treated. Uh, some with like the insecticide, if you get most seeds on there, that grasshopper or that far army worm is gonna eventually chew on a plant that has that in there. But when we start talking some issues that we had this past year with common bunt, or some might call it stinky smut or loose smut, uh, where we're trying to control the diseases on the seed, uh, we really want good application of those seed treatments on every kernel otherwise you're just going to have that same issue especially if we're trying to grow some seed wheat for ourselves or to to sell well that's a lot to yeah. take in <laughs> and and one final thing i think about you know that brings me to another point when does our forage yield maximized in terms of seeding rate? You know, I look at the price of wheat and say I've, I've had bids anywhere from 17 to $20 a bushel for certified seed, which not everybody's doing that, but that's kind of what we're going to go off of. How many bushels should I be planting if I want to get good fall forage? Uh, fall forage, uh, 
the higher the seeding rate, the more forage potential you're going to see. Up to uh, like four bushels the acre, isn't it? <laughs> I think even our previous agronomist out in the panhandle went up to five bushels. I think I saw that set of data one time. And then when you, once you start getting, you know, above two, three, four bushels per acre, obviously that seed cost is going to trump that uh, where we need to be looking at stocking rates instead of seeding rates. Uh, but ideally, most of the time, you know, two bushels a lot of guys are a bushel and a half so 90 pounds so 90 pounds to 120 pounds is usually that sweet spot especially with the cost of seed nowadays if you got some cheap seed or if you got some farmer safe seed on your own farm that that you don't value as much um, you might be starting pushing that two and a half maybe three bushels of the acre if you're really needing a lot of fall pasture but typically that two bushels at 120 pounds would be ideal for fall pasture yeah, I would say if you're wanting to skimp on your seeding rate any at all, those seed treatments are the best way to make the most out of every seed you have. And yeah. it's just, you don't want to be doing it twice, you know. And I know it's really expensive this time of year, but if you set your up for set yourself up for failure at the very beginning, it's it's going to be a really long year. I even remember going back to grad school, I was under Dr. Tom Peeper, weed science uh, specialist at OSU previously, but... He even went back and they did some trials working with ag engineers on road spacing on wheat. Uh, so they made a grain drill go down, I think uh, four inches or less. And every time they got narrower and narrower on their road spacing, they were able to increase biomass. Their idea was trying to shade out cheat. Uh, but also they also saw that we got more fall forage out of having that skinnier row spacing. So in addition to seeding rate, we can also reduce uh, or row spacing if you are in the market for buying a drill most of them are pretty standard uh, but as we get further west you start to see some of those grain drills getting 9 10 maybe 12 inch row spacing and that's not going to be ideal for uh, for for grazing pasture uh, talking to another guy smaller acreage though uh, closer to Canadian County uh, I think he was on seven or seven and a half inch row spacing but he said he planted one bushel of the acre and then either part of the field or half the field or something like that, he double planted it on a slight angle or perpendicular. And he said he had a tremendous amount more forage where he double planted it versus uh, just that single pass. I know that's small acreage. It's hard to make that scale up to having to plant all your acres twice to get, you know, to get more ground cover on those row spacing. But that is an option for some guys if they're, especially if you know if you're by where you're having water or you're going to be feeding where there's a lot more hoof traffic, maybe from the get-go, maybe double seed those areas. Well, I know anytime you stop the drill and some wheat spills out, it seems, I don't know if that's a photo response or what's yeah. going on there, but man, that wheat really grows tall in that situation. And that brings back to another idea I was thinking about, especially if you're not going to be grazing every single acre you own. I know that water and fencing is one of the main reasons why you would want to graze a farm. But also when you're thinking about forage production, look at that pH. If you've got yeah. farms with higher pH, that is going to, you know, influence the amount of forage we can grow immensely. You say higher up, we're usually dealing with acidic soils, but obviously if you get above six and a half, you're starting going the other way, we'll have some issues as well. But if you're looking at those variety characteristics, you're out there shopping for a new wheat variety, and you'll see one that says there's acid soil tolerance that's mostly pertaining to the grain. Uh, what we saw in our research at OSU that there are some varieties that, you know, comparing something in the soil pH in the fours versus something upper fours or in low fives, uh, you still might be able to get 93% of the grain yield, 
but you might lose almost half of the forage potential. And so that's what we kind of noticed for grain production. We don't need a lot of biomass out there. We only need a couple of tillers per plant going into winter, but for forage production, uh, that acidic soil is going to stunt those roots. If you have stunted roots, you're not going to get the water uptake. You're going to be more susceptible to drought, more susceptible to freezes. The plant's going to go dormant or sooner because you don't have that deeper root system. You might have more uprooting when you do turn out. Those plants might be pulled up. And we saw that last year on some areas that were severely dry. We didn't get very good root systems developed, and some of those stalkers were pulling plants up left and right. So starting with pH, and the only way to do that is with ag line, really. All right. We can help it some with phosphorus with the seed to get some of that better root development, but still just a Band-Aid. Well, I think that'll get our producer started off pretty well. Just know that if you have any questions, please reach out to your local county extension agent, and they have most of this information available to them, or they can get, a, get in touch with us if you have any particular questions in that regard. Yeah. As we learn more and we get wheat planted, we'll, we'll come back at you with some other things we've been seeing in the future. With that, we'll catch you next time.